0: Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Imig, from 88.9. Well, Bobby, I saw a photo on social media that I when I saw it on your feed, I was just like, that is so cool. You got to meet Santiago Calatrava when he was here, of course, the architect of the iconic Milwaukee Art Museum, among other incredible buildings around the world, but his first work in the in the United States, and he was here for the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of the Calatrava building, and you got to meet the man himself.
1: Yes, it was amazing. Um because I I had met him very, very briefly, like in passing when he was here before the building was built. But at the time, I mean, he was famous and well known, but like in Milwaukee he wasn't who he is now, right? Right. Because yeah. this building now has turned out to be who we are. So yeah, it's me, become
0: it's, it's become such a symbol for the city. I mean, it's on our like official visit Milwaukee and yes, something like right. as it's really a symbol for Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, and, and since Milwaukee, he's of course had a bunch more American jobs, as well as jobs all over the world, but, um, but like the Oculus at the World Trade Center site in New York. So he's he's become much bigger than he seemed at the time. Um, so I felt a little bit like um, like a, a student on the first day of school <laughs> <laughs> in the classroom. And actually there's an audio file, like um, somebody at on Milwaukee made um, a YouTube video out of the audio file and pictures I took. So you can hear the, if you don't want to read the interview, you can hear the interview um, on YouTube, but I think you can hear me sounding like, I'm nervous as
0: hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, world-famous architect, really responsible for this Milwaukee icon. And, you know, it's been 20 years. So we're going to take this opportunity this week to talk a bit about the building, of course. But more importantly, I think, like, what it what it meant for Milwaukee getting behind this architecture. Let's talk about the events. So you got to meet him. What was your conversation like with Mr. Calatrava?
1: It was funny because they said uh, you can have 15 minutes with him, you know. And so I was like, okay, I better, like, bring enough questions in case, like— um, his answers are you've to be prepared what if right, he's like yeah. a yes no guy you know <laughs> right. right which i mean of course he was not but um so i brought like 10 questions you know um and i think i managed to get 3 a- uh, answered and that was by going over my time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> by when my time was up, after having asked two questions, saying, "Please, can I ask this one?"
0: what did you ask him? Over the well, three questions, we won't give the answers, but no,
1: no. So the first one I asked him was what um, what his impressions were of Milwaukee, kind of before he got here, and when he got here, what he sort of expected, and what what he found, and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, good question. And then I asked him about sort of the reaction to what he had drawn for the city, you know, because. Um, that time Milwaukee was making was, you know, the buildings in Milwaukee were pretty conservative. And then the third question, the one that I absolutely had to ask, and they let me ask it because they knew that that was the one question <laughs> I wanted to ask him, was I wanted to finally put to rest the discussion about this sort of argument we have in Milwaukee about whether or not the Mark de Souvero sculpture, the calling, you know, the, the, the sunburst looking sunburst, thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. looking thing does it block the museum and should be moved or does oh, it come the museum question. where it's sitting right where it is? And so um, they let me have a little extra time to ask that. So he out.
0: definitively answers he that? He definitively answers oh, that. What a tease. All right. We're going to discuss that next in our extended conversation. And, of course, uh, more about what this building meant for Milwaukee and some of its features next on Urban Spelunking.
1: Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today.
0: Back at the Calatrava, which is, it's kind of interesting to talk about the Calatrava like it's a, it is a building, but it's also a person. That was
1: one of the questions (laughs) I did not get to ask him. And actually, maybe I do regret not having asked him that one. Um, And first, before we say that, I just, I want to point out that the museum actually in October is celebrating its 21st anniversary. Um, It was, it opened in October of uh, 2001. But because of pandemic and all sorts of other stuff, they kind of pushed the celebration. I so, see. Okay, so, just, so it's delayed. Just let so me know the they're celebrating the twentieth anniversary, but it is actually the twenty first anniversary. Got it. Um, okay, so the question I sort of do regret not asking him was: Is that a thing that happens in other places? You know, like in uh, in Bilbao, do they call the bridge he built there the Calatrava? You know, in Venice, do they call the the bridge the Calatrava? In Toronto, do they call the BCE? Um, that he was his first North American project. Do they call that the Calatrava? Like, is it's funny how here Calatrava is, I think we sometimes forget he's a person, right? Right. We, yeah. We just think it's that thing. It's, it's the building down by the, by the lake, but he's but I, I mean, actually
0: a person. That shows you how, how um, I guess proud we probably are of, of having a, a building like this built by such a world famous architect that last name only is, is kind of sufficient, right?
1: Well and I wrote that in in when I wrote the story. I, I pointed that out because I mean we we think of the Calatrava as a building, but how many people could name the architect of almost any other building in town? I mean you could stop somebody on the street and say who designed that and they'd say, Oh, that was Calatrava. But then you could point to City Hall and say who designed that? And I guarantee you most people couldn't tell you, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and except I mean, that's for maybe as, Bobby.
1: <laughs> but that's an iconic that's as right. like I mean, up until the Calatrava Building was built. That was about as iconic a Milwaukee building as you could think of, right? And who can who can name that person? And if
0: you, know? you think back before this building was um, unveiled to the public, the Milwaukee Art Museum it wasn't like an you know it wasn't a real standout building. You know the the building itself was it's it's kind of attached to the
1: War Memorial, right? Yeah. So the War Memorial building is a pretty standout building. I mean, the, that's- the, you memorial, know, part yes, is, the yeah. memorial part is the memorial park designed by Eero Saarinen, who also designed the St. Louis Arch, lots of lots of famous buildings. For its time, it was sort of the Calatrava of its time. It was a very sort of forward building for the city in the in the mid-1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, but then, like, there was a David Kaler addition put on, which was basically just a big concrete box, you know. Um, so, yeah, th- that didn't – nobody would have looked at that and been like, that is really
0: – That public. defines our city, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what was the process like, uh, you know, Milwaukee getting on board and – And, uh, you know, approving this this design 20 years ago or 21 years ago, did did Milwaukee accept it right away or was it kind of uh, take some convincing for some? I think
1: people were just needed some convincing because and this is me just sort of remembering back to this because of the idea of the breeze soleil and the movement of the quote unquote wings, you know, because I think people were convinced, well, that's not going to work. And that's, you know, like um, I think people were a little skeptical of sort of an organic kind of moving building, you know. Um, but I think once it was done, I mean, and it was sort of fascinating. I should, I was going to say once it was done, people kind of accepted it, but I think it went before that because it was very fascinating to watch it go up. It's in a very high profile location. You could stand on the war memorial and look down into the construction site, or you could stand at like, uh, O'Donnell park and look across to the construction site. So people really could follow it along. And if you worked in offices downtown, you could look, you know, so it was really sort of fascinating to watch these unusual shapes going up, like even in the, in the garage underground, the supports are very unique Mm -hmm. looking. And, um, so I think people were maybe initially sort of wowed, but maybe a little skeptical, but then I think watching it go, being able to watch it go up in all its sort of uniqueness caught, you know, people sort of caught Calatrava fever maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: what's so interesting about it is it's like just as cool of a building inside and if you don't see the inside of it, you, yeah, you you really miss a lot of its beauty because, you know, the way that the wings look from inside, the mm-hmm. way that the whole – the photos that you see inside of the, like, cool arch uh, that kind of cascade down the yep. hall, like, yep. the, the whole design is so cool.
1: Oh, I know. And what I love about it is every time you go in there, it looks different because it looks different because, because there's so many windows. It looks different every time you're there based on the light, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's the morning – it looks way different than it looks in the evening on a sunny day. It looks way different than it looks on a cloudy day. It's, it's just really, um, it's almost like being outside, but inside.
0: So what did this mean for Milwaukee? I mean, we, we've had this for 20 years. It's become such a symbol of the city, but it also, I think spurred some, and you make this point in the story that it it spurred some kind of reinterest and reinvigorated the, the lakefront area.
1: Yeah. When he did um, a press conference, um, the day before I talked to him and, Um, Mayor Johnson was there, um, county executive, um, David Crowley was there. And what everybody sort of iterated and reiterated was that, um, it really kind of coincides with sort of the rebirth of Milwaukee. Like when we stopped, slowly stopped worrying what everybody else thought about us. You know, like if you think back to the 80s or the 90s, we were very much a, a city where we needed other people to tell us something was good before, you know, like the Bodines got kicked off the stage famously at, at the boardwalk, right? Just before they got signed by, Cap, by uh, Warner Brothers Records. The Fems couldn't get gigs until mm-hmm. they got signed. And then <laughs> yep. suddenly we loved these bands. Uh, you know, we embraced these bands. We needed other people to tell us what was good about us. That seems to mark, you know, the College Traffic Building seems to mark a shift And I don't know if we accepted it because we were already changing or if we started to change because we accepted it and we were like, wait a second, we we love this thing. We are a cool, forward-looking place. We don't need somebody else to tell us that this is a cool, forward-looking building. We love it. And and it really sort of coincides with when restaurants started to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, Pabst-Riverside-Turner Group starts to, you know, around 2000, 2001 is when they start to... Book concerts here, like when you know there had been so so many fewer concerts and things, and so really the whole sort of vibe of the city starts to change around that time. And
0: so it's more than just a development. It, it was, I mean, you're saying kind of a cultural shift.
1: Yeah, I feel like it was a cultural shift, and and that maybe didn't cause it, but it definitely was part of it, and it definitely I feel like egged it on somewhat, you know.
0: Yeah, and there really is nothing like that in Milwaukee. It was so it was so novel. There still know? isn't anything like yeah. that in
1: Milwaukee, right? I mean, it's still unique really in the city 20 years later. And I don't know about you, but every time I sort of come around the corner there and see it, I'm still just sort of like taken aback by just how beautiful it is and how, and it looks good, you know? I mean, yeah. it's, it's white, so it requires a lot of paint, a lot of painting, but they've kept up with it. And it still looks, to me, it almost still looks brand new.
0: Yeah. And every and every time you're, you know, especially during the summer months, I, I was on my bike a lot this summer and, and rode past it quite a bit. And it was always busy. I mean, there was yeah. always people hanging out in the, in the back lawn, um, you know, whether they were there for the museum or they were just kind of hanging out nearby. But it creates a feeling when you're near it and when you're in it. And, Absolutely. And it it draws people still 21 years later.
1: Yeah. And I think it did change how, I mean, this is completely anecdotal, but I think it did um, change how people outside saw us too. You know, I've, I would visit my cousin's in Italy, and I remember one year sitting there, and this is timely again now, unfortunately, um, sitting there watching a, a documentary about Dahmer on Italian mm. television and being, and the, you know, just sort of thinking, okay, this is their, other than what I tell them, this is their view of Milwaukee, you know. But then when the Calatrava building happened, all of them were like, oh, we got to come see it, you know, like even, even they, like in Italy, were wowed by this building that was happening in Milwaukee, which was something that was not happening every day. All right.
0: Go Milwaukee. Go Milwaukee. <laughs> Impressing the Italians. Yes. <laughs> All right, Bobby, before we go, do you have any Milwaukee Art Museum or Calatrava trivia for us?
1: I have two Calatrava trivias, I think. We get a, a, um, a twofer here. Okay. One is, I don't know if people realize that, like, he's an inveterate, like, uh, sketcher, you know, as you would, I guess you would assume an architect is, right? But he's got, he comes from an engineering background. um, So that's how he comes to architecture. But he is um, an inveterate sketcher, and he is um, invariably sketching on, like, napkins or scrap pieces of paper. And I remember um, when he was here, there were lots of stories abounding of him when he was meeting with art museum people um, discussing the design, he was like sketching the basis for the design on napkins and on like while they were sitting there at meetings. and stuff. Wow. Which you, is really how the sort of the design. <laughs> I mean, he might have had it in his head somewhat before that, but um, a so lot of it just the, sort of came to life on paper while they were sitting there on, got, on napkins and things.
0: You got to see the napkin math. Yes. Wow. <laughs>
1: um, and the other thing I would say is that sort of related to that is once uh, they had a design, they built at least one and I think maybe two um, working models of the building where the brise Soleil wings actually opened and closed in these little models. And I remember going into what used to be the Peg Bradley apartment. I don't know if we've ever done an urban spelunking on that, but in the in the um, art museum, there used to be an apartment that Peg Bradley because she'd given so much money to the museum um, and so much artwork to the museum. She had this apartment there that she could entertain yeah, people in. I
0: remember you mentioning that. And I don't was, think we ever did a full episode on it, though.
1: And there was a, a case there that had one of these models in it before it was built, which was pretty cool.
0: Wow. And is that still there?
1: Um, no, but I believe the models exist. I, mean, I would guess they're somewhere in the art museum's archives or library or whatever. You
0: know? Very cool. How cool is it that you got to talk to the, you know, to Kalatrava himself? Yeah. You can find that interview in Bobby's complete story at onmilwaukee.com. We've got a link to it at radio along with other uh, urban spelunking episodes from our past. We were just uh, revisiting the the famed basement toilet episode <laughs> last week.
1: Basements, huh?
0: Yeah. The uh, so you know, from fine, beautiful, world class architecture to uh, mysterious toilets in some Milwaukee basements, <laughs> we cover it all. Not we will point out that hunting. in the lower
1: level of this building, there are also toys, <laughs> they But they're not <laughs> mysterious.
0: <laughs> well, go go find that interview and photos in Bobby's complete story. A link in the description box, too, on the player that you're using right now. Podcasts on 88.9 Get This, Bobby, are produced by me. Now. What? <laughs> I, I gotta edit my own thing now. Yeah, um, it's okay. Um I'm filling in and and
1: uh You're filling in or are you doing it forever? I think I'm gonna hang on
0: to it for a while. Really? This is kind of fun. I've had a great time editing these and this bites and uh cinnabuds with Dory Zori now. So nice.
1: Thank um, you, Kenny, for all your years of service.
0: He's he's uh doing great on the afternoon drive, so he's uh moving up in the world. Excellent. Take a moment to rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, and most importantly, don't forget to subscribe. We've got new episodes of Urban Spelunking every Tuesday from on Milwaukee and Radio Milwaukee.